sample <laughs> it's not uh, copyright if you do it no that's true I don't, I don't think we have to worry too much about copyright at all on this no part. i mean especially not warcraft 2 sample is not going to be an issue yeah i mean i've been clipping all sorts of things um you know you we're doing like movie clips and music stuff here and there it's like ah, i don't think we're big enough for people to put a copyright strike against us or anything like that oh yeah but we also most of what you're playing is nothing that's not like outside of the trailer or yeah, you know, you're not playing the whole movie or something. We're only playing, you know. And there's got to be fair seconds. use laws too, right? Of course. Like, come on, man. Fair's fair. Um, We're complete. Is that what you? That's what, what I wanted. Yeah, yeah that's what you wanted. Anyway, this is Lucas Podcasting. I'm Tristan. And I'm Jimmy. And today we're back for a roundup. This is the first roundup we've done of this uh, new season. Yeah, it's been a long time. I was looking at my letterbox and I was like, oh, wow, actually, I can probably include movies from back in like August, September. That's how long it's been. Oh, yeah. We've got a few to, a few big ones to tick off as well. We're nearing the end of the year. So, it's about that time where like, like I was more conscious of this just the other day thinking I've got a, a lot to catch up on. Mm. You know, um, that Past Lives movie. I really wanted to watch that. I know that'll be yes. up there in yeah. contention. And Same. I'm so, I think we talked about this, you know, previously, but I'm so out of the loop with new movies that are coming out. You know, the big ones, we've got like Scorsese putting out a movie and David Fincher putting out a movie and mm-hmm. Barbie and Oppenheimer and all that fun stuff. But there's always, you know, those end of the year lists where you just find a ton of things. You're like, oh, snap, I got to, you know, I got to watch all these smaller, you know, more indie films that people, you know, obviously keep talking about enough when it comes to the end of the year lists. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that'll be I fun. Mean, that's the beauty of things like the internet in yeah. general, but also like box and... IMDb and so on mm. uh, for highlighting some of those yeah. lesser known ones. Uh, and hopefully even we will highlight yeah, some of them. At least, totally. at least maybe, you know, especially of older years, years gone yes. by. Yeah. And I'm glad that we do it. Like we've only been doing the podcast a short while, but uh, it gives me more motivation to watch these films that I normally wouldn't get around to. Same. Yeah. You know, I would find out years later that the film had stuck around a bit, but I'm so glad that I, um, you know, the previous year, Finding some real, um, real gems in there, man. Really oh, good totally. stuff. Yeah, and also it seems some listeners have reached out to us and have said the same thing that they've appreciated some of these movies were referenced in these roundups. Oh, good. So thank yeah. you to everyone who has reached out to us. Feel free to touch base with us on Instagram or send us an email. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, let's get onto the show, to, right? Sure. Let's get into it. Um, okay, well, you know what? Um, let's kick it off with the uh, very anticipated movie from Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon. The Osage took their name from Missouri and Osage Rivers. Neukonska. Children of the Middle Waters. 
move, said the great white father. There are many, so many hungry wolves. Can you find the wolves in this picture? I was able to, you know, nick out to the cinema for this one. Yeah, I unfortunately couldn't join you. Yeah. Thanks for the, thanks for the invite, though. Ah, that's okay. It's a big ask. Three hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's pretty bloody good. Yeah, you don't really feel that time. Okay. Oh, good. Because I remember there were, there's been talk about, like, oh, potentially, you know, including intermission because it is such a long movie. Yeah, give us an intermission. Yeah. I would love an intermission. Yeah, okay. Um, otherwise, you've got to be thinking strategically about, you know, just your basic bodily functions. Of course, yeah. But no, this movie is uh, is really, it's interesting to talk about in, in reference to like Scorsese's earlier work as well. I mean, there's going to be so much that people I'm sure have already heard about this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based around the real life story of the uh, systematic killing of Native American members of the Osage tribe. This mm-hmm. tribe had uh, been forced off their land and forced to a different part um, of America. And on that land, they struck gold with, you know, oil, very wealthy from oil. The film is based off the book. The uh, book was written by uh, some dude, can't remember, me squizzy and uh, <laughs> um, but the book uh, the book I, I was gonna pull it up on audible but the book apparently is more also it's you know kills of the flower moon and it's the birth of the fbi so i was like oh okay it's also gonna get into like the fbi stuff i'm more keen on the uh-huh. you know the osage nation stuff and what happened to them uh really sad movie yeah i, I do hear there's a lot of differences from the book though yeah, oh, there would be. I, I think the movie is cutting out a lot of the FBI birthing stuff, you mm. know. The FBI come into the film, of course, but that's like the last hour of the film and it doesn't focus on them. They are just there as part of how the story is going to progress. Okay. Really well acted. Like Leonardo DiCaprio, I was telling my partner, he, he seems like he's, I don't know, he's just so good at how do I put it? Like he did so well in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just being a different kind of character than what I would normally would have expected from him yeah. to, to do. Like the kind of range that he was pulling in that movie was awesome. And in this one, again, he's sort of done a very different thing of what we would normally expect from him. Mm-hmm. You know, Wolf of Wall Street and all that, you can see Leo having fun with the part and whatnot. In this one, it you, you forget that you're looking at Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, even though he looks a bit haggard um, as w- for what his character is meant to be, the characters are still calling him, like, gorgeous and, and sexy and hot. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at one point, the Robert De Niro character says, you got a pretty face. <laughs> and that was the other big thing, too, with, speaking of cast with this movie, was having De Niro and... Caprio. And Caprio. DiCaprio, yeah. Yeah, together in a Scorsese film. Yeah, that's right. I think they had done it before in Marvin's Room or something. That was the last time. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. I mean, not, that's not a Scorsese film, of course, but yeah. um, it was but been just them together. The film. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, and, you know, uh, they're amazing together. Rob De Niro is like on fine form. Awesome. He's not Love like, that. you know, I think the whole joke about we've been worried about Robert De Niro's career has been going on since, what, Meet the Fockers or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All these crappy movies he's in, but. Yeah, he, um, it, it's incredible. And, and it's so happy, or I'm happy to see him doing what he does because in The Irishman, 
Mm. I was having to put up with that de-aging technology and it really got in the way. I'm sure he was, you know, I remember thinking Robert De Niro was great in that movie, but the de-aging stuff. It did, didn't it? It it, kind of, yeah. mm. Yeah, you're right. Kind of detracted from my enjoyment of that movie. It was a big distraction. Yeah, it's a big distraction, yeah. You've got this guy like driving a truck in The Irishman and it cuts to him at wartime and it cuts to him driving the truck and then he meets a girl, you know, he has kids and starts family. And as I was watching The Irishman, I'm pulling up my phone being like, how old is the character meant to be in this scene? Oh, he's meant to be 30 years old. Okay. He looks like 50, <laughs> you know, the teenager yeah. wasn't very good. Yeah. Anyway. And then people on the internet, like, just use a Robert De Niro Snapchat filter and put up a clip of what it could have looked like. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, damn it. Scorsese. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. A shame. It's a shame because otherwise it's a good movie, but yeah. It's a yeah. Shame. Oh, Overshadowed, maybe just the wrong word, but just definitely a distraction in certain scenes where it was like, oh. Yeah, because they're doing, you know, it's Scorsese doing what he loves to do, just men devoting their life to crime and (laughs) the impact it has on them. To put it very simply, uh, there wasn't much in Kills of the Flower Moon, though, that distracted me, even the big runtime. Yeah, cool. Uh, It was all really, really amazing between uh, the characters and the way it unfolded, especially with Lily Gladstone, her character. Okay. She plays one of the Osage tribe members that Leonardo DiCaprio is going to fall in love with and marry. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much I want to say about the way it unfolds, though, because you haven't seen it yet. No, maybe, not yet, no. Maybe like towards the end of the year when we do like okay. our best of the oh, year. So you if you've could... watched it then, maybe I'll go more deeper into it. So, okay. let's. I mean, I don't want to say too much about our lists or anything. Obviously, it's way too early to even make a list, but possible contender for best of the year? Yeah. Possible. Okay. All right. There are other films. I mean, it's so different from the other movies. It doesn't just give me, you know, the same enjoyment as Casino or Wolf of Wall Street or Goodfellas, yeah. where I could watch it regularly because I'm enjoying, you know, the film and the experience it's well, giving me. It's, very... it's a sad experience. Yeah. But it is, I think, rich with details and like it's a good experience but it's ultimately a very sad story gotcha okay um so it's it's up there but i think that part of it is like that comes into play when i think of my favorite movie of the year like i picked nope and last year for 2022 and i've watched that movie a bunch of times since you know seeing in the cinemas rewatchable i'm gonna factor that in when i'm picking my top slot that's a good pick yeah good good reason yeah i like that I was just going to say, this sounds like a very different film yeah. for compared to like even just the ones you mentioned of Scorsese's. You know, this is definitely not a mobster flick. It doesn't have all the big like needle drop moments that the other yeah. movies have. Yeah. You're not going to get, uh, you know, like in Goodfellas, it's got like, and then he kissed me and these old 50s, 60s songs that drop into the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Or like Wolf of Wall Street, you get like that ever long needle drop <laughs> yes, when he's on the, right. yeah. on the odds, like these great moments. There's none of that. Yeah. The soundtrack was a bit weird, actually. The soundtrack was like this kind of bluesy electric guitar that reminded me of True Detective or something. Oh, right. Interesting. Yeah, it was okay. like, what is this, like a HBO TV show intro sometimes when the yeah. music kicked in? Down, down, down. Okay. Like, okay. But um, I will say uh, the epilogue to the film is really creative mm. and really well done. And it addresses the whole... Um, sort of like political thing about Martin Scorsese being a white filmmaker making a film about what happened to the Osage tribe or the Osage nation and he addresses it in a really genius kind of way Mm -hmm. that I just want to talk about but I don't want to spoil it I think the surprise of it was really 
It was really something. Oh, cool. Um, I'm happy to hear that. And the last, you know, I know everyone's thinking about this runtime. Uh, to be honest, I was checking my watch for the first hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But by the last 80 minutes, it was just, oh, yeah, it was all go. And I could have sat there for another half hour, you know. Nice. All right. Um, so, it really it really got moving uh, towards the end. And, and I mean, like the film does move. It's mm-hmm. throwing a lot at you. You got to pay attention a little bit. But um, really awesome. Anyway, Kills the Flower Moon. That's the my first cow off the rank. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. Uh, on to my first pick, uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Our lives are the sum of our choices. And we cannot escape the past. Ethan, this mission of yours is going to cost you. The world is changing. Truth is vanishing. War is coming. It's been a long time, friend. You've no idea the power I represent. It knows your story and how it ends. How's Tom Cruise looking these days? Is he? I've noticed in pictures of him, it's like, ah, he finally started to age. Yeah, he's a little bit. I think he's still yeah. got it though. And yeah. Definitely. He's still the action star that we love. He still, he still yeah. makes it believable that he could do these things. But yes, he's starting to show maybe the first signs of aging, which is yeah. very impressive really. That's awesome. But, I, I was reading something. It doesn't bother me. I know like, yeah. I'm sure some audiences might be like, bothered by it but uh, no i think he still looks amazing he still looks sharp still looks you know he looked great in top he looks Gun great. yeah he looks great in this too but yeah he's definitely starting to a little yeah. bit just a little bit well it's, it's just nice to see in photos like oh, okay he is turning into like you know that um that cool auntie that will buy you a first beer <laughs> okay he's yeah. in that league with like sean penn and yeah. Um, no, but uh, how was this movie? Yeah, how was the, the latest installment? Yeah, the seventh installment. The seventh, okay. Yeah, which is pretty wild. So, um, full disclosure, uh, I'm quite a uh, big Mission Impossible fan, mm-hmm. uh, especially as the series has gone on. Yeah. They really found their formula and knew how to do it really well, and they've just been capitalizing on that for the last several movies. Yeah. Mission Impossible uh, Rogue Nation, I thought, wow, this is amazing. Can't get any better than this. Yeah. Then Mission Impossible Fallout came out. Don't know how they did it. Best Mission Impossible movie, hands down. It's mm. incredible. This one, maybe not so great as in, well, compared to those two, but still really, really great time. Okay. Uh, part of the problem is because this is a part one of, yeah. the, of a two-part film. So it does have the problems where you have a little yeah. bit of an anticlimactic ending because you're kind of finishing halfway through the story, which is just the nature of having a film over two two parts. I find that really unsatisfying. It's a little unsatisfying. When um, yeah. movies do it and the last 20 years it's been done more and more and more with the, yeah. um, you know, the fr- turning the, every film into a franchise. I just, yeah, it really hurts my enjoyment of a movie when I'm only getting half the story and it's yeah. like, now I'll just wait two years for the other half. It's like, well, that's fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's 100% justified and understandable. Um, but still, it's got all the flavor, all the elements that you want in a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. It's still, like, incredibly, like, 
fun, exhilarating, edgy seat action and like it's got just, you know, really funny like laugh out, literally laugh out loud moments in it. Is Simon Pegg in this one? He is, still? yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. The whole team's back. The whole team. Um, is Ving Rhames in the Ving team? Ving Rhames is back, yeah. Oh, awesome. Yep. I was wondering what happened to Ving Rhames the other day and then I, I was like, oh, well, I guess I just haven't been watching the Mission Impossible franchise. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Because he's been, yeah, he's yeah, been he's there. there. Yeah, yeah, so they've both been there for, you know, quite a few movies at this point and yeah. they're back again and they're both fantastic in it. Everyone's great. Tom Cruise is peak Tom Cruise. Yeah. He's pulling off stuff that's ridiculous, you know, jumping a motorbike off a mountain on top of a train like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then parachuting out of a, an Atlantic on top of a train. Like, it's just like, wow, like what the hell? Yeah. So there's a huge, incredible set pieces like that. Mm. There's, it's amazing. There's a car chase uh, through Rome. That's one of my favorite in the whole series in this. That is just chef's kiss. Amazing. Like just that real joyful, giddy kind of fun. It's hilarious, but also edgy your seat. Like, thrilling like what's going to happen next yeah. it's perfect it's just so good all the cast is fantastic again bringing like you just talked about some of the recurring cast coming back yeah. they've also you know rebecca ferguson comes back from the last movie who's like the mi5 agent she's great in this they probably she's probably the one character i think they do a little bit of a dirty on her i'm not going to say anything but she's a real complex character she's a bit of an anti-hero kind of you know yeah okay character and she was really interesting and in her story yeah as the films have gone through have been really interesting in this one yeah i'm not going to spoil anything just a little bit of a dirty on her it's a bit of a shame but everybody else is fantastic the villain from the last one she's come back as well and she's really interesting in this as yeah. well the other thing too this movie made me realize was that uh how disappointing the uncharted movie was did you watch uncharted with um like i've forgotten his name now from spider-man toby Maguire. no no <laughs> And the new Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. Tom Holland is who we're thinking Tom of. Tom Holland, yes. But no, I, I I didn't watch that movie, do you? No, I, I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it. I, I mean, look, I have a bit of an interest in the Uncharted video game series. I thought they were pretty good games. So yep. I was curious about what an Uncharted movie would be like. And I mean, I have to report that it's another one of those video game movies and that it's yeah. incredibly dull, uninspired and just a total bore pretty much um it was really like what did you play the games because nah. it didn't really quite no, i mean sorry the filmmakers did you play the games oh, because the <laughs> yeah, filmmakers <laughs> really didn't feel like they uh got the um you know the essence of it really and this has some of that essence in it like there's literally a scene in this that feels ripped straight out of like a set piece action sequence from uncharted yeah wow. and it's amazing it's literally like i talked about before tom mm. cruise's has to uh, ride a motorbike off a cliff and then parachute and land on top of a moving train. Yeah. Uh, that moving train, long story short, ends up going off a bridge and they have to run up a falling train and grab onto <laughs> stuff while it's falling. And it's yeah. incredible. And it's literally something that you would do in Uncharted. I think, like, and, and I think the one bit of Uncharted I did play, which was the first few minutes of the game, had me climbing up a train that had gone over the edge of something exactly and was dangling and i had yeah. to climb into it and i thought the game just was not for me i think yeah I, like my lizard brain needs to be entertained immediately mm -hmm. i need um like if i'm skipping stories i'm skipping cutscenes. i need like instant gratification for me yeah, to enjoy okay. <laughs> fair enough well yeah i'm not i'm not like gonna say like 
the Uncharted series is one of my favorite series around, but I definitely enjoy it. It's got that good Indiana Jones adventure kind of storytelling that yeah. uh, I enjoy. And Mission Impossible is also on that sort of same vein. Mm. Um, very adventurous in a way, you know, even though it obviously is action thriller, it's also adventure storytelling. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, so it evokes that and evokes the best bits of like an Uncharted game. There's some incredible set pieces and incredible action sequences. It's funny, isn't it? Like, uh, there are other examples too of like video games where the adaptation was trash, but then there'll be like just some other film that does it so much better. Right. And this is a case of that where it's yeah. like, oh man, like all we had to do was do something like this and you just couldn't even, yeah. you couldn't even do that. It's just, why, why was the Uncharted movie so boring? I just don't understand anyway. But hey, did you see this on the big screen, or is this available I did. on streaming? So I went and saw it, yeah, um, and in the cinema, and it definitely helps seeing that big cinema experience. You know, oh, Tom's yeah. all about that, and he yeah. you know, Tom. Went, went on and on. <laughs> our mate Tom, <laughs> yeah, first name basis Tom. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tom went all about on and on about it for um, Top Gun Maverick, and then yeah, yeah, this is another one where I think it's definitely it helps. Well. Tom really um, did us a favor with the whole gunning for Maverick in the cinemas and it's only fair to, you know, let Tom know we appreciate it and thank Tom for... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Tom, for all you do. And again, thanks for all you do with this movie because mm. um, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is uh, really... It's a good time. It's a good Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. It's, uh, like, it's not the best in the series. It's, I mean, look... at this point in time, it's like when you watch a TV series and, you know, you get to like the third or fourth season. Yeah. And they really like, they really know what they're doing and just like, it's just a really well run machine. That's yeah. what, that's what Mission Impossible is at this point. With, oh, I love you it. know, like it's from about the fourth, fifth movie onwards, it's just been fire. Yeah. And, I, that, and that's what this is right now. Like I, I hadn't seen, I, I used to watch Mission Impossible 2 a little bit and, um, I hadn't seen the other films and then people were telling me like, dude, they're actually amazing. Every time they came out, I would just think to myself, ah, oh, it's, you know, I'm not into Mission Impossible. It's just not my jam. But every time I've watched one of the movies, mm -hmm. like not so much too these days because I rewatched it and it didn't age as well. But I watched uh, oh, no, definitely the, one with Philip, <laughs> the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Is that, uh, yes. which one's that? Is that Ghost uh, Protocol? That or is, is, yeah, four. Not I'm not I sure think, exactly. I think, that's good. I think that's four, yeah. Uh, but that was, I really enjoyed it. That was a really fun time. And mm -hmm. I was, and I was sort of like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get around these movies for a good, pretty good much fun from time. there onwards is yeah. just really good. Yeah. I might have to check that out. I've been doing a lot of dumb, fun, silly, goofy movies lately. Mm -hmm. Like I watched the equalizer the other day. Oh, nice. Yeah. Incredible. Equal yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, so this movie came out in 2014. I've just been avoiding it this whole time thinking it was dumb and silly. Um, it, and it is dumb and silly. It's just also, you know. An amazing, time. fun, you know, exactly, yeah, thing and that's to what be this is. Watching. This is yeah. a hell of a good time. So, if you want a hell of a good time at the cinema, then I highly recommend Mission Impossible. Yeah, nice. Um, speaking of dumb, fun movies, I watched Entrapment the other day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Sean Connery one. Yep, that's where we cue the the trailer. Oh, okay. <laughs> when fortune knocks, open the door. He is the ultimate thief. This is classic Mac. This was 70 stories up with smart glass windows at 400 pounds a pop. He's the best. 
the law can't catch him. We sent a couple of guys after him, and these were both good agents. They were both men. But she has a plan. What do you have in mind for bait? For the perfect trap. <laughs> Why are you following me? I've got a proposition for you. I'm a thief. I give you the world's tallest building at home of the International Clearance Bank. Do I have your attention now? Undivided. You're all keeping it strictly business, right, man? Strictly. This is how it has to be. First we try. Then we trust. Has there ever been anyone you couldn't shoot you? Did he take the bait? Big time. You change partners. You change the rules. Prepare to go offline. 35 seconds. Weren't we partners? You were playing both sides. This is called entrapment. Well, actually, it's called blackmail. Entrapment is what cops do to thieves. You coming? <laughs> <laughs> and you know how people always say, like, 1999 is a great year for movies? Yeah, because you had, the Matrix, I don't yeah. know, American Beauty or something. American Beauty sucks, man. Have you ever watched that movie again but, recently? No, I haven't. I have. I mean, I've seen that movie, but but you know, in I mean, like two thousand or something. It's aged very poorly, not just because of uh, Kevin Spacey, no, okay, but no. but just that whole like you know middle aged dude mm. going through a midlife crisis, and he's somehow he's the hero and whatnot. It's a weird movie now to to go back and rewatch. But nineteen ninety nine was also the year of Entrapment. And uh, Entrapment, man, that movie is tons of fun. It's so goofy and silly and you can poke holes in it um, as much as you want. Uh, But, oh man, it was was so great. Like, Catherine Catherine Zeta-Jones, I I don't know. Like, I'm not, I guess I'm not very good judge of acting ability. I thought she was really great in it. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched yeah, it in a, long, in a long time. But. Very diplomatic uh, <laughs> response you gave me. And, and Sean Connery, of course, um, you know, I think he, he's sort of like Tommy Lee Jones. You, you kind of just forget how much fun he is just to have him on screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you don't forget. I, I, I sometimes forget. Yeah. Okay. Because he, cause he's, you know, he's not around anymore. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I think, was one of his last movies, right? Yeah, that's a good point. That's, but well, that's a bit of a bummer. To <laughs> <end> on. <laughs> what a what a note to go out on. Um, but he's so much fun. If you ever just you know, if you want to watch maybe an age inappropriate romance go down, Catherine Zeta Jones. Like I know that she hooked up with Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. She clearly is down with the older gentleman. Um, it doesn't seem like she's acting that hard in the scenes where she has to kiss or be romantic with Sean Connery's character. I think she's genuinely into Sean Connery I mean, in this Sean film. Sean <laughs> Connery is James Bond after all. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, going back to what you were saying, like, yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason why I love The Rock. Yeah. It's because it's just... Yeah. It's old James Bond being like... It's Sean Connery being way more physically active and capable than he should be at that age. <laughs> exactly. It's like I, it's you watch really that fun. movie and I'm in my mid to late 30s and I'm like, damn, I, I should be half as physically fit as that dude <laughs> exactly. is in The Rock. And I know so, Sean Connery's, you know, I know people out there might think, oh, he's a problematic guy for his comments in this and that, whatever. You know, he's pretty old school. I'm yeah. not defending it. I, I, you know, he comments about this and that, but... Um, but as an actor, I love him so much. Yeah, I love his on-screen presence. Basically, yeah. I mean, I still listen to Michael Jackson. I figure if I can get away with that, 
<laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> uh, then I can still enjoy Sean Connery. You know, I, mean, I don't listen to that much, Michael Jackson. I will grant you in some tracks are completely off limits. I, I won't listen to Pretty Young Thing. Um, anyway, the, yeah, I just wanted to, to quickly name drop Entrapment. It, it's really fun. It's it's like they do a bit of globe trotting in that film as well. Yeah, yeah. There's some twists. Yeah, um, and it's a very sexy uh, avoiding laser <laughs> sequence. There's a great moment because Sean Connery has taught her how to do, you know the um, laser dodge to get to this museum piece. And there's just a really funny moment where Sean Connery is watching her on a camera and she like, she's like slinking under a laser and her butt has to go in the yep. air like a cat or something. And it's just Sean Connery looking at the screen going, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's really enjoyable. Me yeah. and my partner got around it when we chucked it on the other day. Awesome. I love um, that, man. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a good one to go back to. I haven't watched it since back in the day. Yeah. Um, but um, it had faded it into obscurity in my mind, but I was like, you know what? I'm down for some entrapment. I'm, yeah. I'm ready for I mean, it. I remember, <laughs> it was the, really I remember good. the laser sequence. Yeah. Probably, uh, that was probably a, a growing moment for me as a young man. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, but Catherine also, Jones is a beautiful woman, isn't she? And yeah. then just yeah, I just remember you know Sean Connery being a lot of fun in that movie. And yeah, and yeah, it's kind of about it. Um, ah, it's 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 a really good one to jump back to. I think you know some of these movies that we say have aged poorly have aged well uh, in another way, in yeah. the sense that they're not sort of they're not cynical. Um, they're not kind of self-aware. They are just silly and fun and completely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. D- doesn't care. doesn't matter. You yeah, know, exactly. you really don't give a shit about <laughs> whether or not this would be a story that went down in real life. I love it. Well, yeah, sometimes you just want that great, just escapist mm. entertainment. Yeah. And um, it was a simpler time back yeah. in 1999, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It actually was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, pop that in the uh, list of you know, fun movies from 1999. It's not in the same, you know, vein as Fight Club or Being John Malkovich, of course, but uh, hey, you know. I'll no, thank you for bringing that one up because <laughs> you've got me actually really keen to go back and rewatch that. So thank you. <laughs> oh, I hope people, you know, yeah. I hope you like it if you do end up checking it out. It was a lot of fun, like tons of fun. Awesome. Uh, on to my next one. While we were talking uh, The Rock, I was mm. talking about Michael Bay's newest uh, feature film, Ambulance. I'm sorry, brother. Sorry that I brought you into this. I just wanted things to be the way they used to be. That's my brother, Will. I could use some help. My wife needs this surgery. This is real life. How's that right? You put your life down on the line for this country? You leave your family, your home? How much do you need? 231. How about more? 32 million. I need an extra man. I came to you for a loan. Look, have I ever gotten you anything that I couldn't get you out of? It's time for you to do something for your family. Now, I I heard two things. This movie was really terrible and it sucked. And I also heard the movie was underrated as hell and it was amazing. Which yep. was it? <laughs> what, what did you reckon of it? Uh, I probably fall into the first category more oh, than okay. the second category. <laughs> I haven't um, seen it yet. But I can see why people love this. I mean, look, I didn't get around to it last year. I know it was definitely on the top lists of some people from yeah. last year um but for me uh one imdb user i think summed up better than anybody else which said more exhausting than exhilarating and that's uh, okay. kind of how i felt about it because it's uh, a okay. long ass movie this movie how long is it um i think good question I is it over two hours it's over two hours yeah oh, two and a half see, hours something like that that's a shame if anyone who doesn't know it's a will sharp he's a uh, veteran Mm-hmm. Um, he's desperate for money to cover his wife's medical bills, so he asked the help of his 
brother, Danny, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, who is a charismatic career criminal. Uh, instead of offering uh, him a loan, yeah. uh, Danny offers him a score, the biggest bank heist in LA history of $32 million. So, that's, and that all happens fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh, in the first, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes, we get this really, you know, quick, uh, efficient setup of this, what could have been a really fun, thrilling, you know, 90 minute, out 100 minute yeah. like action thriller, mm. uh, which is what I kind of thought maybe we were going to get. But then it just gets bloated and Michael Bay gets in the way of himself. You start getting these just, you know, unnecessary plot lines and thread lines never really go anywhere. Yeah. Just, you know, some terrible acting and just some terrible Michael Bay moments, but then also some amazing Michael Bay moments. So yeah, it's just okay. all over the shop, this movie. So I, as much as I said I fall into that first category, I there's some parts in this movie that I absolutely loved. Like mm. There's one part in this movie, I don't know how much you... If anyone doesn't want to know any spoilers about this movie, then maybe skip a minute or two ahead. But mm-hmm. um, you can go for it for me. I do not. You mind. don't mind? Okay, yeah. cool. So there's uh, one of the side characters, uh, Isa Gonzalez. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing her name correctly. She's a paramedic, and so the two guys they go to rob this bank. The bank robbery goes wrong, and to escape, they steal a ambulance. Mm. The ambulance has arrived on the scene to help some of the people who've been shot during this robbery. Yeah. So, Gonzalez uh, is stuck in the back of the ambulance. Yeah. While she's looking after somebody. So, the four of them are now on a chase through the streets by uh, a bunch of cops. And that basically is the bulk of the movie, which is, again, going back to what I was saying about it being exhausting. So, you've got this quick 10, 15-minute setup followed by two and a half hours of a police chase. That's a shame, really, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I'm, you know, I'm generalizing here. So, anyway, this police chase goes on, it has ups and downs, and yeah. gets a little convoluted. Uh, but there is this one part, in, for example, that is amazing. So, a cop gets uh, shot. Mm. Gonzalez is trying to care for this um, cop. The guys also don't want him to die because if he dies, then they've killed a cop, and then the cops will raise their, you know, priority. Basically, I'll go from four stars to five stars. I was just going to say, mission, you his know? wanted like, level will go yeah, up. Yeah, his wanted level will go up. So, Like when you're in San Andreas and you try to swim outside the boundary, you instantly yeah. get that <laughs> exactly. five-star wanted level. <laughs> exactly. So it's in their interest as well to uh, make sure this cop survives. But, you know, she's just a paramedic. She's not a doctor. Yeah. This guy's been shot. So she has a friend uh, that she knows who's a doctor. So she calls him up on her phone Mm. Over video chat from his golf course, from the golf course, him mm. and his buddy, who were surgeons, they direct her on how to perform a, a, a surgery. To long story short, his spleen uh, bursts, and they have to. She has to clamp the spleen with a hair clip. Oh, and it is an amazing, like over the top, absolutely ridiculous yeah. scene. This is all the while this is taking place in the back of an ambulance that is being chased by like a dozen police cars. Yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. It's just like only Michael Bay would do a scene like that where it's, you know, the cameras are flying around, whirling. It's just, yeah. It's just erratic, intense, over the top. And that's so good. But then there's like another hour of just, what is this nonsense? Yeah. So it's, yeah. 
has its highs and then it has its lows. Yeah, okay. I, well, I'm glad you mentioned it. So now I know to now I know a little bit more about it. Yeah, I feel like just check that scene out on on YouTube. The hair on, clip surgery scene. The hair, hair clip surgery scene. Yes, it's amazing. It's like <laughs> holy shit! I can't believe it went there. And to the extent where, like, when it was happening, I was like starting to check out, and then I was like. Like when when she started zooming with the two uh, surgeons, I was like, "Wait a second, what, is this happening?" And then, like, all of a sudden, it's open heart surgery, basically. Yeah. Like, with this, and it's like, oh we've got God, like this almost is, moonfall uh, levels of yeah. This of is hilarious silliness. and over the top. I love it. It reminds so. me of that 2021 movie, The Guilty, where Jake Gyllenhaal is like a call oh, center yes. operator for the Triple Zero. What do you think of that movie? I really did not rate that one. Hey, it was like 90 minutes long. That's true. That's true. Um, I didn't mind it. I thought it was, it Based was off a German film. Oh, really? That's apparently way better. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, generally movies that have that gimmick of all happening in the one location and whatnot, I'm a bit sort of, um, I'm a bit sort of cautious of. Mm-hmm. But this one, I thought it was it was pretty decent. Like he's, you just find out more about his character over the course of this night, this shift he's got at this, you know, working on this triple um, zero line. He's a previous cop, and it's Antoine Fuqua, the uh, same dude that does like Equalizer and all that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, true. Yep. Um, so I guess maybe Ambulance would, might make a good double pairing with this other film. No, you could point actually. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, maybe you could splice the two movies together and. He's, you know, answering the call for the, <laughs> all the, you know, um, all the people ringing up the uh, police. Anyway, yeah. Oh, well, okay. So, uh, a skip it? A solid skip I'd, it I'd from Jimmy? I'd say skip it. I mean, I know some people out there will be like, how dare you? Because there's some real big fans of this movie out there. Yeah. Um, including some friends of mine. But for me, it just... Yeah. I, I just got... It Didn't just get that. really bogged down. Too many Michael Bay-isms and not the good ones. But then, not but yeah. then a few amazing ones. So yeah. it's all it's take a real mixed bag. This one, it's a real mixed bag for me. I don't know why movies sort of don't edit themselves a bit more just to be uh, have a tighter runtime. Yeah, this one especially. This that that's really is the bulk of it. Is that yeah. I think this movie cut out like forty five minutes. This movie, and I think it would have been yeah, really, so it really been a really fun movie. Like they go on these strange threads, and it's just like, why is this? Why isn't this on the cutting room floor? You know. You used to, you know, you go through your DVD and look at the mm-hmm. deleted scenes. Sometimes it feels like movies are keeping them in a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just my opinion. Like some of these run times are just so big. Cut it down. Well, I wonder you too know? sometimes if it is like um, funding and if it's more of like the streaming networks being a bit more hands off. I don't know what it is. No I don't know idea. what it is either. It's, you know, the, the streaming networks, uh, yeah, giving more creative control like some of those big filmmakers, you know, Scorsese put out The Irishman and the Coen brothers did Ballad of Buster Scruggs mm-hmm. and Fincher, you know, we're going to talk about The Killer in a moment or later on. Um, like those are incredible. Mm-hmm. I love all those movies. Yeah, I don't know. There are some Netflix movies that are absolute trash. <laughs> there is. Though. And they oh just feel God. so forgettable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole nother side piece maybe for another time. Shall we move along? Mm-hmm. Uh, my next pick is... This is an Australian film from 1978. The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith. Oh, okay. Always tell a missionary, Black. You had seven sets a week, Tucker. Horse, sleep in the stables. No boots. Where have you been, Master Blacksmith? Haven't it occurred to you that you might be needed for higher things? Hmm? 
do read, don't you? Of course I read. <laughs> Morning, boss. This is... Yeah. yeah. No reference. That's cause you can't bloody write. <laughs> I'll come to help you get rich. I trust your nigger to turn my property into a black scamp then. What about me groceries? We need him. Look, the husband's not a charitable institution, Mr. Backsmith. What will you lend your wife to a white boy? White fella don't lend his wife to anybody. I understand you're going to marry a white girl, Mr. Blacksmith. You marry a white girl? Pay a total. You owe me, Mr. Newby, for 900 yards. Listen, Jimmy, don't you come to Bush Lawyer with me. So, Jimmy, this might be your movie. It might be, yeah. <laughs> I've always had an interest in blacksmithing. <laughs> no, um, I, I should think I be, you... Should I be aspiring to be Jimmy Blacksmith? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, you should not. Um, so th- th- this movie is a really, uh, a really incredible movie. So it's, it's like an Australian Western mm-hmm. pretty much. And Jimmy Blacksmith, it's based on a true story. It's directed by Fred Skepsy. Okay. From the whole, you know, if you want my body and you think I'm Skepsy, you know, fame. Mm-hmm. And it is about a half white, half Aboriginal guy uh growing up in you know a uh, hundred years ago australia you know some at some point and he is sort of indoctrinated with indigenous uh culture to an extent but then raised by the white reverend and kind of um kind of like forced and almost bullied in a way to be more culturally embedded in in the white way of doing things and, and so forth and people are always referring to him and talking to him as if, you know, like, oh, you're, you know, you, you've got a disadvantage clearly being half, you know, indigenous mm. and so forth. But mm. but he's a very intelligent, smart character and he's very capable mm-hmm. and he's able to, he's willing to learn and he's he just wants to have a trade and he's putting up fences, but he's working for white people that are constantly taking advantage of him. Yeah, um, telling him his work isn't good enough, they're not going to pay him. They refuse to give him a letter of recommendation so that he can find more work. And there are these parts of it and there are other parts that are just slowly pushing him towards a breaking point. Mm-hmm. Because he's half white and half indigenous, he's, he's sort of – he can function in, in both sort of tribes, so to speak – and the indigenous tribe is more welcoming of him, but he's also able to see the bad parts, the negative aspects of each tribe. Okay. You know, for example, like the effects of alcohol on the indigenous population at the time and so mm-hmm. forth. And um, But he, he, like I said, he wants to work. He wants to make a life for himself. And the pushback he's getting mainly from, you know, the, the white culture and whatnot treating him a certain way is just this constant antagonization is that a word <laughs> they're just yeah, it's just like constantly antagonizing him and you you're rooting for him yeah you want him to just be able to you know carve out his niche and, and succeed because like i said he is uh, he's very capable he's very intelligent he's mm-hmm. smarter than the the farm owners that are having to pay him to put up fences you know uh, it reaches a point of very quick and very brutal violence oh wow and he becomes an anti-hero in that sense. Hmm. Um, you are rooting for him. Like I said, it's based on a true story. From there, the film becomes 
a bit of a chase movie, a bit of a manhunt. Mm-hmm. The police are after him. He's on the run. The, the, like, is, um, one thing I love about these Australian movies too is just like the beautiful countryside shots and the vistas that you get. Looks incredible. I should mention too, like the main character played by Tommy Lewis, uh, he's playing Jimmy Blacksmith and he didn't do a lot of other work. He was sort of late in the game to theater and, and film, but he's, he's incredible in it. Mm-hmm. You really sympathize with him. You really feel for him and you want to see him succeed. Um, and the movie is like, it gets brutal and it's, it's a sad film despite his actions in it. You know, he, um, I, I don't want to spoil anything because I, I think it is a really compelling movie to watch and get immersed in and this slow build up. But yeah, a really awesome movie. It's free on YouTube. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, it's put out by like Umbrella Entertainment, you know, mm-hmm. that distribution company. So I highly recommend it. And um, uh, yeah, the channel of Jimmy Blacksmith. That's just been me. Sorry, Jimmy. No, I've just no, been talking you. solidly. <laughs> You're right. Oh, I thought it was going to be more of a drama, but it sounds like it's obviously a bit of a bit of an action as well. Then. A bit of a, um, uh, well, action's the right word, but yeah. a, bit of a, um, a bit more violence than I was expecting. Uh, it, it comes short and sharply, the violence. Nice. Okay. When it happens, it's, you know, like those 70s movies that are a bit more sort of, it's less glamorized or romanticized, the depictions mm. of violence. It's it's a bit more anatomically correct what might happen to some people. Sure. Um, yeah, it, it's it's not a thriller so much. It's it's more of a Western, I guess. Yeah, okay. It's It's a bit of a slow burn, but... Along the way, you know, the set design, the costumes, the period piece stuff of it all is really interesting to be immersed in. And um, just watching his character develop, and it is such a unique character mm-hmm. and a very important film, you know, in Australian history and in general, I think. And um, and I think like that whole thing of like that antagonization of this character, yeah, you know, and I think it's like, sadly, it's still something that we see today oh 100 percent. yeah you know just whether people mean it or not i think there's definitely uh people have some ingrained prejudice against or rather yeah and just the un, 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 maybe not pre- uh, prejudice well, is the right word but just bias you know there's some biasy around that people yeah. may not realize is like they're actively doing i think this just is yeah it unfortunately is so i can i can see that being a factor in this that you know the yeah the uh white Australians not embracing him wholeheartedly because antagonism yeah, like antagonizing him and um and, and like today it's like we had that whole yes or no vote yeah and whatnot right. and it's yeah, like it seems very relevant this movie. how are they meant to uh, you know I, I don't know that, that's a whole nother kettle of fish it movie, is, but yes. like <laughs> we're not here to be talk politics so and no I mean I, I mean you know we're people we live in in, a, in the real world yeah I think it's a I think it's fine for us to talk about real world things that, you know, things going down. But um, if we put that aside for the moment, I will just say, you know, it's an, a really great movie mm-hmm. and it's free on YouTube. You got no excuse. Uh, so yeah, the channel Jimmy Blacksmith. And 1970s, yeah? Yeah, 1978. Awesome. Um, and it, it got great reviews, I think. It's just one of those movies that, Australian movies that doesn't get mentioned a lot. I hadn't, I'd never seen it before well, I'd either. Ne- I'd you never know. heard of this one. I, I yeah. feel like I know some of the, you know, the famous names of some of the old Aussie classics, but yeah. this is not one that for some reason hasn't come up. So I'm happy you, happy you did. So thank you. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I hope people out there give it a chance. Like really, uh, you see it for free on YouTube and you're like, oh, well, it can't be that good if it's for free. Right. But it's a high quality yeah. rip awesome. and um, it's a really rewarding experience. 
All right, my next one is The Creator from 2023. What's heaven? It's a peaceful place in the sky. Are you going to heaven? No. Why not? You gotta be a good person to go to heaven. ago today, the artificial intelligence created to protect us detonated a nuclear warhead in Los Angeles. For as long as AI is a threat, we will never stop hunting them. This is a fight for our very existence. Yeah, this, very recent, the Gareth Edwards new film. So, against the backdrop of a war between humans and robots with artificial intelligence, a former soldier finds a secret weapon, a robot, in the form of a young child. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. It looks cool. It, it looks like an original sci-fi concept. 100%. 100% yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's really good for that sort of stuff. Uh, look, it's quite, I'm not going to lie, it's quite heavy. Uh, with some familiar tropes and cliches. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the premise itself, you can probably kind of get the idea of what's probably going to happen. Yeah. Um, like the kid is uh, is the saving point. It, did Gareth Edwards also do Midnight Special? No, that his he film? didn't. So Gareth Edwards did Monsters, which I highly recommend. That was pretty good. Uh, then he did um, the Godzilla, the second Godzilla, American Godzilla film. Aha, uh-huh, okay. A good one. Uh, and then he did Rogue One, Star Wars, Rogue One. Oh, that's I think that's probably where I know his name from. Yeah. I did see Monsters. I thought Monsters was an interesting film. Monsters was cool, yeah. So this is kind of a bit more of a mix of almost Monsters with Godzilla, I guess. I don't know. Like yeah. So, like I said, it's a bit heavy with those tropes and cliches, and so that can detract you know, some viewers, I'm sure. Uh, there is some predictable elements in this movie for that reason. But... There's some really great direction um, from Edwards. I think there's some amazing, gorgeous cinematography from uh, Greg Fraser, who, uh, probably pronouncing his name wrong, apologies mm. to him, uh, who's the cinematographer from June and uh, also from Rogue One. Yeah. And he's on top of his game and he's on top of his game here as well. It's really a nice, beautiful, lived-in world. Mm. Uh, there's just something really cool about seeing like rusty looking robots in like Tibetan monk star robes. Oh, this wow. looks cool. I yeah. guess like this against a, uh, you know, there's a shot on location like in Thailand and in, in Tibet and in places like that. Oh, wow. So to see these robots look like they feel like they should exist in this jungle or this is Southeast Asian environments. Yeah. This looks really cool. And I loved it for that. I That's it, like one it. of those things I'll always love. Just the like a lived-in yeah. world. Yeah. And you think Star Wars is lived-in? This is feels even more lived-in like than a good Star Wars. Like this has got really gets that essence of a real yeah gritty lived-in world. World, and I love it. That's the part I really loved about this movie so much. It's one and thing. I can overlook some of the tropey cliche kind of parts where I was like, oh yeah, they did that. Okay, because it was just I liked the world. I liked being in it, and I liked to see these visuals and this, as you said, a new sci-fi. It borrows a lot from other previous sci-fis, sure, but it's still a new original concept mm. and a new and original sci-fi film. And for that, you've got a tick of approval from me. 
Yeah, and it's not gunning for, I mean, maybe there will be a sequel depending on the success of it, but it wasn't setting up like a bigger story. Is that no, right? Like exactly. it wasn't part yep. one? It's a, of, it's a one-off. Yeah. One-off, yep. One-off story. Extra one-off, points there. Film. Yeah. So, uh, Ken Watanabe is also in it and he always adds gravitas whenever he's in a film and he does just here as well. Uh, I love him when he pops up. Yeah. Um, the young kid who plays the AI, uh, child is, uh, fantastic. He's really good. Yeah. What else can I say? Like it's, it's not going to be a sci-fi classic, you know, it's not going to be 2001s or, yeah. you know, or even a Dune, but it's, it's a, I think, a good film. It has some really fantastic visuals. Like I said, some really good direction. I think the cast do pretty yeah. well. There's some fat there in the script that probably could have been cut, but it was also really interesting in terms of the way it was produced. Yeah. Um, so this movie was shot for $80 million. His last two movies, for example, uh, Godzilla was shot for 160 million. Yeah. Um, and Rogue One was 220 million. Uh, yet this feels as big as some of those movies, and yeah. it was shot for like half, if not more than half, of the same of the budget. Uh, for most of it, it was only 10 people, so a very small crew. Wow. Like a lot of times, Gareth was actually shooting it himself. Mm. Um, a lot of this also because it was shot during COVID, so it's also that, that was part yeah. of the reason. But still, like it was a very small crew. He just he just sort of went back to his monster roots. It was very like he had a bigger budget than he had on monsters, but he was doing a very like an almost yeah. indie film shoot style of production. And I kind of loved it. I kind of dug that too as well. I wonder. Um, I imagine the creator was in production while everything everywhere all at once was to, you know being also in production and being released. But, like, I wonder if that sort of had, um, like, an influence because, like, those dudes, I remember watching those YouTube videos about how the special effects were done and just how small the crew was Mm -hmm. doing all those effects and it was, like, really getting bang for your buck, like, really being efficient with that, the budget. And it's more, like, just the ingenuity of coming up with things and... Yeah, like remember that Be Kind Rewind movie? <laughs> of course, yeah. How it's just yeah. like coming up with effects and yeah, like I, I love all that kind of thing. Um, thinking of a creative, cost-effective way to do something, mm-hmm. and um, feels like you're cheating the system a little bit. So I love that he was able to pull off. I know eighty million is still a big stack of cash. Oh, it's still huge. But um, I love but that he was able to pull off. But it something feels like that a movie felt as big as like one hundred and sixty. You know, it feels like that. Yeah, like it's got Godzilla, Godzilla level production values. I think. Yeah, like it's wow. gorgeous to look at. I will watch it eventually. I think when I'd seen the trailer for it, it was one of the better trailers that I'd seen for a while, mm-hmm. just because it was like, oh yes, an original IP. I'm not yep. sure if it's based off a book or maybe it is, maybe oh, it isn't, maybe, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. But it wasn't, you know, a video game. It wasn't a reboot of something. Yeah. I mean, I will say, besides obviously falling into cliche territory and falling into some tropish territory, mm-hmm. it also doesn't have a lot to say about AI. Um, yeah, it's kind okay. of a bit simple in its, you know, narrative. But like I said, the world building and the yeah. world itself and how well realized it was and the direction of the uh, actors mm. was good enough for me that I still got an enjoyment out of this film. It, it's weird, isn't it? Like all those things you were saying about how it falls into tropes and it doesn't say anything sort of original or it doesn't have a strong commentary on its subject matter. Like those, those are things that I don't care about if the movie is, is good, like yeah. if the movie is enjoyable. 
So it, it's weird. Like it can be, a, it can be something that will you know enhance the film. But at the end of the day, I'll still go back and rewatch Avatar. That movie says nothing original or nothing <laughs> yeah. about you know like people in wheelchairs suddenly becoming able to run and become this. Like it says nothing about that. Don't care. It's exactly. good fun. And that's how I feel about this. But I, I'm just sort of, I think I'm just saying like, I think it could have been could have been a better film, but also I understand and at the same time also just saying that I understand the detractors and why they feel so against this movie because I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. I can see, yes, it does. You know, well, there, is some, gonna, there are some moments where you're like, oh, yeah, okay. When you, I when knew that like, was coming and they did that. If you're going to do it, I guess it all comes down to, for me, if you're going to do something like, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Mm-hmm. If you're going to give us um, just, you know, like a recycled plot or an unoriginal thing, just do it really, really, really well. Yeah. Um, take yeah. a leaf out of old James Cameron's book and um, play to the audience or play to the gallery, you mm-hmm. know, uh, but just be really fucking good at it. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> um, I guess we're the ultimate critics, you know, like it, when you if you slightly miss on what you're doing, you're going to really cop it. You're going to really miss does that make any sense or am i just is that all just a bit of word salad no 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 i think i think that makes sense no i get you um as i was saying those words i was in my head i was like "Eh, eh, eh, this doesn't make sense i think also just people these days can be also a little extra critical uh our time is valuable our time is valuable there's a lot competing we also just have a lot of access to you know social media and Mm. you know letterbox as much as i love it also uh has this weird i don't know like there's a um a collective voice. It feels like sometimes there's this narrative going on there where it's like, Oh yeah. Sometimes okay. I feel like there's, you know, you sometimes get that with, you know, you get like your Snyder fans and they get very like rape bomb, whatever the word's called. I can't remember the word's called, but basically like let's oh, rape bomb anything yeah. else that, uh, or, you know, shut down anything that James Gunn and the rest of DC do now post Zack Snyder leaving DC. Oh. You know, you get those kind of stuff. And sometimes there's a group mentality. I feel like with yeah. these online communities, I'm not saying necessarily letterbox, but sometimes it feels like there is sometimes a collective uh, yeah. there. I also don't know where I'm going with this, but I think <laughs> yeah. okay. uh, I think sometimes that sometimes there's group mentalities with an echo chambers that reinforce this kind of. I like, get very like uh, tribal about opinions of a certain movies sometimes. And I think people will use, you know, they'll go to Reddit or they'll use Letterboxd or they'll go to IMDb to kind of. Like, if they're on the fence and they're not sure, like, I'm not sure exactly how to process how I feel about this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think those platforms will uh, just maybe put them in a camp. Mm-hmm. So, like, you watch a movie, I don't have the analytical skills to properly, you know, assess sure. my enjoyment of it. You're very, you're too dismissive so, of yourself, though, man. I think you do. Oh, no, I didn't mean me. I, I think I do. I am able to. Okay. Assess. Oh, good. Because I was going to say. I but, like, it, it, like in, in terms of the general, what the population is sort of, um, or, or just my opinion on another population, my opinion, uh, yeah. you know, people will be on the fence with a the movie. They may not sort of assess the film in the same way that, um, well, I, I don't know. I don't want to sound elitist here. And I do love movies that are made for the general population. But when it comes to a number representation or a numerical value on a film, and that numerical value is coming from people that I don't really think have that ability to assess properly, but take it still so seriously as if they are a film critic, yeah. they end up being swayed by whatever the discourse might be in the majority of. Like if they not, you know, you go see a movie... I don't know if I like that very much. 
instead of really thinking about why, just jump online and go to the top comments of Reddit. And if the top comments of Reddit say it was a real stinker, you probably will just be swayed into thinking it's a real stinker. Yep. So I guess it is that tribal thing. But exactly. And that's that, kind of, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You, you, like that's, the, you got the gist of what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, where it's like, yeah, it can, um, and I think we'll talk about it a little bit when we get to the killer maybe, because I feel like. Well, I was going to mention that. Like that's an example of where I think. Um, I think sometimes a little bit, that's one of those ones where people, I think a little bit David Fincher fanboyish a bit about where it's, getting, it's gotten a little bit feel like... very attacked right now. <laughs> I don't mean it to get attack you, though. <laughs> I just mean in terms of like... No, I'm just if anyone to say anything contrary, not to say that I actually feel that it's a bad movie, because I don't, but I think if someone was to say it was a bad movie, yeah. it feels like a little bit like, oh, I could, it's, I could see people being very like packing on like... People like hyenas will, and being like, how dare you? Like, yeah, people you know, will do genius, that too. The genius of Fincher who used to understand that kind of commentary, which I'm, again, this is, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just almost playing devil's advocate. No, here. no, no. I'm no, just no. pitching, I mean, I'm pre- I'm pitching a scenario because I feel like that happens with other yeah, films. I'm yeah. not necessarily saying that's the case with The Killer, but uh, and I, mean, look, I, could, at, I could see that being the case. If that and at sense. the end of the day as well, you got to trust your own instincts and experience yeah like if a film requires you to research it and and be convinced that it was good and you just didn't have that you didn't connect with it in the moment i mean maybe you'll rewatch it later down the line and you'll reconnect with something Mm -hmm. that's fine like you know that's your honest experience with the film yeah absolutely and with something like the killer i mean the worst thing you can probably do is is tell people that they didn't get it I think there's a lot going on in that movie. Well said, man. And um, if you connect with it, maybe that's based on your personal experience or whatever. But if you don't, maybe you just weren't, maybe you're not in the mood for it. Maybe it's just not your jam. Yeah. So I guess like uh, the subjectivity of it all kind of negates a lot of what, you know, a lot of what we're saying. But what your point is still valid though, in terms of like that whole tribal, uh, you know, and what I was saying about like people being influenced if they're sitting on the fence a little bit, can't really assess how they, uh, how they feel without having it be kind of echo chambered back to them a little bit. Yeah. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting in deep into the reads I know, here. I, I, should we jump I, into I, the killer? Maybe we should because <laughs> we're going way off, way off here. Yeah. I think all we'll quickly say is that, yeah, it's, it's sometimes a little disheartening when you see, and this could be any movie. Uh, I just brought up the killer because I did see a few people, a few like mm. negative ish reviews on on Letterboxd and then mm. people write in the comments pretty much what you just said. Oh, you just don't get it. And you I just was don't like, get it. No, like their criticism is valid. You, I loved it. You loved it. I loved that this person didn't get it. You yeah. can, I loved it. Both of you have your own opinions and that's cool. But don't have to like be very yeah. like tribal about it and be very like. I think, yeah, that, that's um, like a huge problem with not just film. And as I said, and it's not it's, just a problem with the killer and it's not just a problem with yeah. uh, just film in general. It's also just like online discourse and very tribalism and all that kind of stuff. I hate I hate things coming down to a A or B. Yeah. You know, like it's like it's shit or it's great. It's like, well, there's clearly gray in everything. Totally, totally. It's like, what is a three out of five? Or like, what is a <laughs> like exactly. a, a blank? It, it, it it, you know, no, numerical we, values on things can get so squirrely. Our brain, I guess, is just oh, no. trying to. And I've talked about that in a previous episode yeah. about how ratings yeah. and my 
two yeah. cents about how I got so annoyed about people being so like, oh, three's a three. Doesn't everyone understand? Well, you see, yeah, having known you and your system, when I see you give the killer a three, I'm like, ah, Jimmy liked it. Yeah. A three is a good review. Yeah. Um, anyway, The Killer is from killer? 2023. Yes. <laughs> David <you>. Fincher. <laughs> Thank you. I find music a useful distraction. A focused tool. Keeps the inner voice from wandering. is purely logistical. If I'm effective, it's because of one simple fact. I don't give a fuck. Now, uh, I want to let you talk a bit first. Because oh, I think right. I think once I get going... I'm not going to stop. Because I was going to say, you saw my three star. I saw your five star. So yeah. I'm like, oh shit, Tristan loves this movie. I want to hear all about how much <laughs> you love this movie. I can't wait. I'm, I'm literally, I'm edging to be able to talk about <laughs> it. But I know that I won't stop once it starts. So why don't you like give us, just give us your general yeah thoughts. What do you think of the killer? Well, my, okay. Well, I'll quickly just sort of give a bit of a setup. This is uh, David Finch's, my, well, literally my letterbox review is, this is David Finch's Hitman to the tunes of the Smiths. Yep. Great soundtrack, obviously, if you like the Smiths, which I do. Mm, yes. No, you don't. Oh, no, I, I love the Smiths. Oh. I love them. I, I, was, I was just sort of just marinating in it, in like my memories, like, mm, yes, great, oh, great soundtrack. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I think the soundtrack is like just the use of the Smiths I could talk about. But yeah. anyway, I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold off. <laughs> I, I'm not going to explode at the moment i'll wait you it's your turn <laughs> i want you to explode please, dude. please. you want me to explode? all right i'll explode that's gross <laughs> i'll edit that out that's disgusting all right well all right so we basically we get uh michael fassbender who's a uh, professional assassin and we uh follow him as he deals with the consequences of a botched hit job yeah mostly it's about him explaining to us in voiceover somewhat endlessly i would say it's incessant. Oh, you didn't like the monologue? No. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. It's, it's too much voiceover for my liking, mm-hmm. personally. About him explaining what he does, his approach to life. Yeah. Um, He's constantly reinforcing the same mantra. He's got yes. these same points he keeps hitting on as he's going through his, you know, his like his cleanup of this Methodical process job. about, yeah. And the I thought the moments that the film chose to repeat the bits of dialogue, the bits of inner monologue were really, uh, really great. Yeah, okay. So I, I loved the, the inner monologue. It was something that ran parallel to, to, to his actions on screen, but like he's a character that is just repressing so much emotion mm-hmm. and telling himself, repeating this mantra. Like in the beginning of the film... Sorry, you know what? I just realized that I've just started rolling. I'm, I'm no, no, please go, what, man. Uh, what, did you have anything else you want to jump into before I <laughs> before I just keep on rolling <laughs> about this movie? No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I just sum up my thoughts at the end, maybe, because I feel like you have a lot more to say about this movie than I do. I only really have my two cents, which is, you know, again, 
Wasn't huge on the voiceover. Yeah. Could have done with way less of it. But there's also some great stuff in this movie. And yeah. it has a lot of style. What did you think of all the... Fu- like, what did you think of the humour of this film? Because people say that this is a funny film. Did you find this movie to be humorous or funny? Uh, yeah, there are some funny moments. Yeah. But it could have done more with the humour. Okay. I think it could have done more with the, the satire nature of the fact that it's supposed to be a satire. Like, you know, it could have done more with it. Okay. Overall, I think it's a little one note, this movie. It's a yep. little, um, like, tonally and what it's trying to do is just ends up being a little dull and flat to me. The audience doesn't realise... I'm like I'm that meme of someone that has like the blood pressure popping up in their neck because. <laughs> What's well, why I feel bad saying all this stuff because that's why I'm like I'm getting no, you rolled up. Like I want to um, kind of wanted to add this after you said all the positives. About no, me. you know what? No, no, but I'm, I'm not really. My, I'm not again, really the blood vein meme. meme uh, like <laughs> I just think that yeah, could it could have been a great comedy if that just Fincher had let it become more of a greater comedy. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, I think I there's some really funny, funny moments. I think the you know what would John Wilkes Booth do. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Like, Good uh, luck with the wordle. Yeah. <laughs> when he's reviewing like the security that this rich right? person has. Yeah. Um. I mean, I thought it was funny when he's getting McDonald's and that's his 10 grams of protein and he's got no bun. You know mm. what I mean? I thought it was funny when he's just eating a, a boiled egg and drinking coffee. I thought that was funny. I thought like all the Smith's needle drops were really funny as well. Because it's usually the song is, you know, that's the joy of watching this film on Netflix. I always use closed captions with netflix oh okay and so netflix you know um i just i do that a lot lately regardless of the volume of the film like just because i enjoy knowing exactly what people are saying i, I miss a lot i realized mm-hmm. once i started watching things with subtitles the subtitles will give you every title of the smith song that's playing oh that's cool so the title will be something that will you know reference directly what's what's going on oh nice sort okay of bounce off the uh plot yeah but uh, i mean like I was watching this movie and um, I was so immersed and sort of I found it so enjoyable just watching Michael Fassbender be this hitman and, and the process that he goes through. Mm. And I found all of that enjoyable and I loved the location hopping from one spot to another. Yeah, this, the, exactly. The sets uh, were fantastic. I loved how it was different locations the locations are amazing yeah. like that first one and and we talked about hitman yeah from the start and it's a hundred percent reminiscent of, of hitman and it's like the that, best hitman movie you can, yeah you totally like for. that that um that mansion whatever that huge building at the start in like in that first scene like he's just, in paris yeah that's another funny thing so like cool. he's, he's in paris and his monologue is like i dress like a german tourist because no parisians don't want it it's the one thing they won't interact with like i thought that was really funny and just that he's in paris it's like a, a city known for its fine food and he's just eating mcdonald's <laughs> yeah um, and, and just like also in that scene, he's he's in an empty WeWork building. Yes. And throughout this whole film, you're going to get McDonald's, you're going to get WeWork, mm-hmm. you're going to get Amazon, mm-hmm. you're going to get uh, Densuki watermelons, and you're going to get Wordle references. Like David Fincher has got this complex relationship, I guess, with corporate branding and you know all this sort of thing. But it but it reminded me so much of Fight Club. And um, oh yeah, sure. And how Fight Club was, you know, about all these things relating to, you know, branding and corporate. Mm-hmm. But David Fincher has a history with, you know, he made big advertisements for Nike and, and The Gap and all that sort of thing. Yeah, he did, yeah. So it's like, is David Fincher being anti-corporation in doing this? Like, no, I don't think so. I think it's something else. It, it, like, it's clearly on his mind. Well, definitely it's a bit, is it, there's an element of self-reflection in this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I think so. So David Finch is definitely aware of, you know, his history and his relationship with that kind of stuff. I'm glad you mentioned that because like, that's one thing that I loved about the movie was, I know you didn't like the monologue or the, you said it was like incessant, like it was maybe yeah. re- repetitive and whatnot, but yeah. I love that It just got a little irritating for me, especially after the first scene, because it just went way too long for me. Yeah, no, that that's, and that's fair. Um, I, I loved every bit of it. I, I loved how, you know, you mentioned like self-reflective and David Fincher made Mank and Mank is a big miss. Mm-hmm. And um, I never actually watched it. No, me neither. No, I, okay. I will. I, I'll get around to it. But uh, just this is a character who misses and and the impact that the miss has on the people around him. It was uh, it had like these levels that I could mine yeah, and for, I appreciate for, that for depth and meaning. And then yeah. on top of that, it's also just a fucking awesome straight Hitman movie. It's mm. one of the best fight scenes, best hand-to-hand combat fight scenes I've oh, ever seen. Oh, the one in the middle there? Yeah. Yeah. With the big Floridian beefcake yes, guy. Yes, that dude, yeah. That was that pretty was, good. That's incredible. Mm. The way they did the music, like the diegetic nature of the music, mm-hmm. like it cuts to him. It's got a few different perspectives and it's like the camera's far away. The camera's with him. The camera's a little bit closer. So like when the camera's really with him and you're looking through his eyes, you've, you know, he's got headphones in listening to the Smiths. Yep. That great part early on where he's about to shoot someone to the tune of how soon is now. And then the camera pulls back and you're hearing it as if you're standing next to him and you can only hear a little bit of the volume coming through his headphones. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Oh, cool. Absolutely okay. loved it. I thought that was, uh, it was really unique and it kind of robs us of that needle drop, you know, going to kill a guy to a cool song mm. sort of moment. It mm. robbed us of it, but it, it, it was all to support the contention that the film is from his perspective and you're watching the film through him. Uh, the film never cuts to somebody else. There is actually, there's one point it cuts to someone else and it's when he's left Dolores, the secretary in the yes. car and she screams. Yeah. That's the only time we, we cut away from him. And yeah, I, I mean, like, say, I'm pretty sure it does with Dolores, but yeah. Okay. It, uh, yeah. Um, and like the, you know, interesting choice of why they choose to do that. And Dolores is a character that he does show a bit of empathy to. He in does. Making yeah. her death look a certain way. Obviously he's also his, his, yeah. his girl as well. Yeah. Empathy for his <laughs> girlfriend. Yeah. No, you're right. The, the scene where he's in hospital, you know, yeah, he's he's doing it all in the eyes, old Fassbender. Uh, you know, I, I could talk more and more and more. I mean, like just the use of the Smiths, uh, this this, yeah, okay. this this type of music that is just it's Morrissey just performing these really emotive, emotional lyrics to this character that is just so holding back emotionally. Mm, he okay. never says he loves his girlfriend. He never says this. He's He's got these monologues about just, you know, not being one of the crowd and all this stuff. But it's this guy that fucked up at work and it had a huge impact on the people he loves. Mm -hmm. But instead of the movie giving you the scene where it's like, I'm going to avenge you. And the movie doesn't give you any of that. It gives you a guy just going through what he has to do to make himself feel better about his failure and the impact it had on his loved ones. And I was like, okay, perfect. It was so, so good. And just not at all what I expected too. I expected yeah. the new David Fincher, the killer movie to be like 
oh, it's got Tilda Swinton. Oh, it's going to be like funny and it's going to, mm-hmm. you know, but what I got instead was like, oh man, that's, that's one of his best movies. I love that, man. I absolutely I adored it. Yeah. enjoyed it so much. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to rant on. I, um, I knew once, I knew it would be hard for me to stop. That's why I gave yeah, you a chance. Yeah, well, I felt bad even coming off like uh, so no, no, negative no, on, on the, on the, uh, from the top there. It was just like, uh, you asked me what I wanted to, <laughs> no, what my no, two no. cents was. So don't I feel was bad. Like, like that, but that's the same thing we're talking about online. Like you go online and people are loving it. People are in the middle. People are saying, I don't get what the big deal is. Um, and you, you know, you're telling me three stars, man. You enjoyed it. It's, but I, I guess. But like, it could have been more for me. Right? That's pretty much okay. it. You just nailed it. Like I enjoyed it, but it could have been much more. Yeah. Just more in terms of the story, really. Um, just more in terms of um, just. So it feels like more. a series of like uh, vignettes. Like it's. Yeah. Um, it's chapter-based as well. You know, I love a chapter-based film, like in the same vein as like Pig or Pulp Fiction. Or, mm-hmm. So each like little chapter scene is another one of the people he's going after. Um, I know, like I totally, it's not a movie. Like I know I can just ramble on I just and wanted, I it wanted, sounds a bit like hyperbolic, but but I could totally also understand like this is not everyone's jam. It just happened to fucking get me so good. Like yeah, I, okay. I, I still think about it and I, like nope you know in 2022 i know that wasn't everyone's jam as well it just happened to really push my buttons in the best way and i, I think and i think this movie yeah. just did the same thing it, yeah amazing it, it really great. got me good yeah i just yeah like i appreciated the you know self-reflective nature of it i could tell there was a bit of that going on there and i kind of liked that mm. it just felt like kind of a bit like i said flat it felt a bit like fincher was spinning wheels a bit in in parts of this movie okay um which was a shame and there's no panic room, basically. <laughs> now that's a movie. That's a Fincher movie. <laughs> oh no! But you don't like don't like panic room. Panic room is amazing. Uh, I haven't seen it for a very long time, so I'll I'll withhold. You know, <laughs> I'll plead the fifth on panic room for a moment. Oh wow! Um, okay. But no, like that's yeah. my pick. The See, like when panic room has like this tension <laughs> and you know this. <laughs> I know, I'm like a little being. I'm being a little, you know, provocative here, but I'm I'm not actually that against the movie. Like I said, <laughs> no, I know. I did actually. You, you know what? I, I get panic room. If you had said Benjamin I mean, Button was a better movie, I would have. That you no, know that's actually understandable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not really, really didn't can't rate Benjamin Button, unfortunately. Uh, so this is a bit of a cheeky one. So Diel and I, I started watching uh, Outlaw Johnny Black. Now I'm not going to actually talk about that movie. Okay, I'm going to talk about. Michael J. White's old uh, film and one of my personal favorites, Black Dynamite. All you suckers gather around. There's a brand new movie coming to town. So get on up and check the scene of the smoothest, baddest mother to ever hit the big screen. Main man, Black Dynamite. He's super cool and he no kung fu. Drives a $5,000 car and wears a $100 suit. You're so righteous. This is also true. And when it comes to the ladies, he's out of sight. Uh, let me guess. You one of these brothers thinking get by on a wink and a smile, huh? What about the smile? I am smiling. Black dynamite. Never in the history of the game has there been such devastation. The CIA needs black dynamite now more than ever. We need you, black dynamite, now more than ever. I thought I told you, hunkies from the CIA, that black dynamite was out of the game. And he's better than Shaft, Superfly, and the Mac put together. But when the mob kills his brother, your death will not go on a bench. And put the dope on the street. It's my nephew Bucky. He OD. He's back in the game and he's playing for keeps. 
declaring war on anybody who sells drugs in our community. But Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community. He killed my best dealer. I want him dead now. So if you crave satisfaction, then dig this action. Guaranteed to put your ass in traction. So Outlaw Johnny Black is uh, Michael Jai White's newest film. I think it's been maybe five years in the works. So he's most notably known as Spawn himself. From the old classic, <laughs> Wait, quote he, unquote, Spawn movie from the late nineties. So he played Spawn. He, he played Spawn. Yep. Uh, he is a well-known action movie star. Yeah. At the same time, he's also writes and directs the occasional movie here and there, including uh, Outlaw Johnny Black, which is his newest one. I think you're talking about five years. This is basically if you've seen. Black Dynamite, which mm. is his take on a basically a parody of a 1970s um, black exploitation film, mm-hmm. which is just an absolute right. Like I said, one of my favorite comedy films of all time. Yeah. I absolutely love this movie. Uh, this is 2009, right? 2009, correct. Yep. Uh, so, this looks actually pretty good now that I'm looking uh, at it on the, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, story of Black Dynamite, who is an action legend. Um, the man, of course, the man kills his brother, uh, pumped heroin into local orphanages and flood the ghetto with alterated malt liquor. So Black Dynamite was the one hero willing to fight the man all the way from the blood-soaked city streets to the hallowed halls of the honky house. (laughs) Uh, Sounds great. That's the uh, IMDb. Plot synopsis. Um, so hey, yeah, so he does obviously a his take on a black exploitation film. Yeah, you know, uh, does it so well. The editing's on on point. The comedy's on point. Just the uh, the casting, the costumes, it's all just on point. Hilarious, yeah. hilarious stuff. Like, oh, I highly, highly recommend it. You'll love it. So then he tries to do Outlaw Johnny Black, which is kind of his version of like a black western film. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't quite work, personally. I mean, I haven't seen the whole thing. I watched probably about half an hour, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just checked out. And I was just, ah, it just didn't quite work for me. It felt like they didn't quite understand the tone that they were going for. Yeah, okay. Um, my um, expectations could be misdirected because of my love for Black Dynamite. And yeah. Maybe I was expecting a bit more of a laugh out loud right of a film. And it's just not that. Okay. But, Take it, uh, taking it a bit more seriously, like the it's tone taking it is more a bit more seriously. Yes, oh, gotcha. And so maybe that was it, but it just felt like it didn't quite know what it wanted what it wanted to be, and didn't quite quite work as either a western or a comedy mm. spoof parody film. Um, okay. So yeah. Anyway, I didn't, I can't really talk too much about that movie because, like I said, I didn't actually even finish the film. So. Yeah. But I will say, if you haven't seen Black Dynamite, this is my quick um, little plug for that movie. Is highly, highly recommend. It's up there with Wayne's World, one of my favorite comedies of all time. If you haven't seen it? Check it out, please. Really? Oh, I that's love great. It. I, I haven't. I've time. never seen Black Dynamite. Oh, good. But yeah. I will. You've you've um, got me a bit rizzed up to yeah, watch it. Yeah, Michael J. White just he fits the part. He's yeah. amazing. Like, do can do kung fu. Like, you know, like as much as it's obviously a joke in the movie, like he's like this black exploitation, you know, black kung fu star. 
but he can do this shit, you know? And so it's amazing yeah. seeing him like take out a full room full of people of like, you know, uh, with his over the top kung fu. It. It's just, it's, it's amazing. It works so well. I'm gonna um I'm gonna watch Black Dynamite, bro. You've you've sold me on this movie. Yeah, it's, it's got very good reviews on online. Yeah, it's great, man. Everything, everything. Soundtrack's also amazing. The song itself for Black Dynamite is so good and on point. Great casting. Yeah, just amazing, man. I, I can't can't stop raving about this movie. I love it. Yeah, a personal favorite of mine. Oh, I love it. Um, where do you stand on like? Any other black exploitation that you've enjoyed? Like, do you get around any of those old like seventies ones, anything like that? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've definitely seen some over the time, but I haven't. I couldn't say I'm like a big connoisseur of black yeah. exploitation films. No. Um. The there was one in particular, um, but it was like a vampire movie. What was it called? It had the guy from Night of the Living Dead in it. Oh, okay. And it was really awesome. I got to look for it though. Hang on. Oh, dude, oh my God. I can't believe I didn't remember. It's called Ganja and Hess. Oh, okay. Have yep. you heard of this one? Yeah, I've heard of it. I've never seen it though. Let's, you know what? Let's both watch this movie. All right. If like, I, I wish I could pop it on the projector and have you around to watch Ganja yeah. and Hess. It's um like a 70s. It was sort of created and sold under the whole idea that black exploitation was blowing up and they can mm-hmm. have a budget to do it. But the film that you get is the furthest thing from like black exploitation. It's got like some hot sex scenes in it, yeah, okay. which is a little bit black exploitation. But uh, it's it's really like an interesting movie that oh, I'd love cool. to talk more about. Okay, it's a vampire film essentially, right. but not like any other vampire film you've seen. Oh wow, okay. um, kind of like Terrence Malick doing a vampire movie. Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. It's very a bit all over the shop. Let's like, but I would love to um, talk about that with you one day uh, after you watch it really interested to hear what you think on that one yeah okay um that's pretty much it yeah is there anything else you want to add nah man i i feel like i've um used up all my talk tokens for this podcast already (laughs) and um i guess the only thing to add would be we'll have our best of the year coming up we will um at some point in the next month or two maybe another round up before the end of the year Maybe, maybe. We've got a lot of 80s content coming out. We've got some guests coming up on the next episodes. That'll be really fun. Yeah, and I'm Um, in Japan in two days, so... You're going to Japan? I'm going to Japan. Well, the the time people hear this, you might already be in Japan when people listen to this episode. Yeah. But that'll be fun. I hope you have a good time, man. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, best piss, best piss. Best piss I ever had, man. Nineteen ninety nine. No, no, no. The the best piece of advice is pocket Wi Fi. Yeah, don't worry, I got it. Yeah, uh, awesome. Sorry. That's it. Uh, but you, I, uh, no, no, that that it's like thanks it's a game changer that, for thanks Japan. For that I, uh, <laughs> I made the right choice. Oh fuck it! Organizing it's, that. It's incredible. But um, hey, uh, you can find us on Instagram at Luku's Podcasting. You can email us if you really want to at uh, uh, look who's passing look who's pasta bake at look who's podcasting at gmail.com. Yep. And um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. Appreciate it, everybody for all your feedback and lovely comments and I appreciate everybody for just checking out our podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Good luck with the wordle. Bye. Thanks.